Thank you, and once again, good morning to students and teachers of the Word of God. We're continuing our theological seminar of the air, discussing in this series of broadcasts the very important uh, work and person of the Lord Jesus Christ. These are lessons about God the Son, the second person in the Trinity, and if you've been with us on the preceding uh, 18 or 20 broadcasts, you've learned that uh, the Trinity is not a Roman doctrine or a Baptist doctrine or denominational teaching, but the direct result of comparing Scripture with Scripture as revealed by the author of Scripture. When we speak about God the Son, we are speaking about the second person in the Godhead, one God in three persons, the lesson today dealing with the God the Son, and in particular, the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ is a fundamental doctrine. It is consistently attacked by every non-believer in the world. If there's one thing that unsaved people can't stand or are self-righteous, it's this basic fundamental doctrine of the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. The matter is so basic, the Bible says that no man can say that Jesus Christ is the Lord except by the Holy Ghost. As a matter of fact, if the Lord Jesus Christ were God manifest in the flesh, which, of course, he was, then this would automatically knock out about 18 religious systems. And this is what men can't stand. If you want to know what it is that science, education, religion has against the Bible, it's real simple. The Bible is selective. God picked one planet out of several million solar systems upon which to start history and act it out. They don't like that. God picked one book and wrote one book by which to instruct the human race, and they don't like that. But above all, God picked one man to live a sinless, perfect life and manifest the righteousness of God. And there's no Taoist, Hinduist, Buddhist, Satanist, or follower of uh, Mr. Moon that can tolerate that kind of business. A man said the reason why you're against the Bible is because it's against you. The Bible is an anti-humanitarian book. It has designs against what the communists call the people, which is the big political phrase, the people. Uh, the people in the Bible are second, and the Lord Jesus Christ is first. The fundamental doctrine of the fundamentalists is the deity of Jesus Christ. Belief in the deity of Christ is essential to salvation. We read that a man needs to confess Jesus Christ as Lord, not merely a good man. Salvation is by believing on Jesus Christ as the Son of God, not the Son of Man. Not just the Jewish Messiah sent to Israel, but God manifest in the flesh. Not a Son of God, like the liberal presents any sinner, but the Son of God. As the centurion said, truly this was the Son of God. To deny the deed of Christ is to rob mankind of a Savior and condemn the entire human race. And this lesson here we're going to present now, and this lesson and the one next week, 15 proofs for the deed of Jesus Christ. First of all, Jesus Christ is referred to as the Lord in Psalm 110, verse 1. In Psalm 110, verse 1, the Lord said unto my Lord, Sit out my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Jesus referred to this passage in Matthew 22:41, Mark 12:35, Luke 20:39, and Peter referred it to it in his message to the Israelites and the Jews in Acts 2:34. It is very important. It's a prophecy that the Messiah Savior would be the divine Lord Himself. Jesus says to the skeptics in his group who believe that all religions were the same, everybody was trying to get to heaven the same way, you know, the old socialistic gas, 
How did David in the Spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord? No Jewish father would think of calling his son Lord. For an Oriental, that would be absolutely unthinkable. And yet David, by the Spirit, called his own son Lord in Psalm 110, verse 1. Obviously, David, the son according to the flesh, <coughs> was virgin-born of Mary, who came from David's line. But his father was God the Father, manifest in the flesh. Uh, Pastor Ruffle and uh, Judd Rutherford and the Russellites didn't like this, and insisted that capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D in the Old Testament referred to Jehovah God the Father, while capital L, small o, small r, d, are referred to the Son. This would make the Son, of course, a lesser God, or a free-headed type of trinity, which the only oneness holiness don't like. But the truth of the matter is, the Lord Jesus Christ is often referred to in the Old Testament as Jehovah God. For example, in the book of Zechariah, did you notice the prophecy on the second coming of Christ? And the book of Zechariah, where it speaks about the second coming of Christ, and Christ showing up and showing the holes in his hands to his brethren, it says in Zechariah 12, verse 10, they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. The speaker is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Zechariah 12, 7. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 8. The context is Jehovah God. So you'll find the new Bibles are very carefully changed. They shall look upon me whom they pierced, till they look upon him whom they pierced. One must never forget that every Bible published in 1700 attacks the deity of Christ. Now, of course, you can find the deity of Christ taught somewhere in these Bibles. They couldn't get it of all the verses. For example, where John bowed, or where Thomas bowed down before Jesus and said, My Lord, my God, they haven't been able to get rid of that verse. So the lame alibi given by these crippled revisers is, why this Bible is a reliable translation, because you can find the fundamentals in it. Well, stupid, you can find the fundamentals in any Bible. So what? You can find a $5 bill in a garbage can. Does that mean it's a bank? People have been known to find a diamond ring in a sewer. Does that make it a jewelry store? You see how people are? People are funny. You can find a murderer going to church Sunday morning. Does that mean it's a jail? People have the weirdest ideas in America today. They get them from Hollywood and the commercial world of Madison Avenue and the news media. Take some of the funniest ideas. Oh, some of you nuts that graduated from Christian schools actually think because you can find the fundamentals in a translation that it is the Bible. What could be any funnier than that? Why, these Bibles attack the deed of Christ in one place and then support it in another place. They're ecumenical Bibles. They're made to satisfy the mind of the Christ-rejecter and the Bible-believer. They're bats. They're chameleons. Secondly, the virgin birth would be God coming to live with men. In Isaiah 7, 14, the Bible says, Thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, that which means God with us, according to Matthew 1, 23. God in the person of Jesus Christ came to dwell with man at the Incarnation. And John speaks about this when he says, The Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Thirdly, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, was given divine names in prophecy. For example, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, we read, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. 
Now, only the Lord God Jehovah himself could be the fulfillment of these names. The everlasting Father, the Son was called that. That wasn't his name, but that's what he was called. His name was Jesus Christ. His name shall be called Wonderful. His name shall be called Counselor, the Mighty God. The one prophesied to be the Messiah was to be God himself. God of very God, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Jesus says in John 10:30, I and my Father are one. Notice he never said, I and my Father are identical. He said, He that has seen me have seen the Father. But, of course, that was the Father's body. He never claimed that the Father was Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, Jesus doesn't say, I am the Trinity. He said, I, one, and my Father, two, are one. So we say three in one and one in three, and the one in the middle died for me. Now, that's how it's going to have to be. Uh, the human mind may not be able to comprehend that, but in our lessons of the Trinity, we covered all these matters thoroughly. And let me say, for those of you who are slow in catching on or behind or trying to always revive the dead rubbish published by Pastor Russell and Judd Rutherford back in 1800, or the foolishness of the oneness holiness nonsense, let me say that you can obtain any of these broadcasts by writing Box 7135, Pensacola, Florida. And you can get the material that you missed. And a man who doesn't understand the Trinity has missed a great deal of material. That's one of the main doctrines in the Word of God. It was prophesied that Jesus Christ was to be from everlasting. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, we read, But thou, Bethlehem, out of thee shall come forth unto me, he that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. So naturally, the new Bibles attacked Micah 5, too. As a matter of fact, if you want to know really what's wrong with the new Bibles, just write down the references that you're hearing on these broadcasts, and then take any Bible published by anybody, doesn't make any difference, they're all the same junk, and pick these Bibles up and check these references, and you will find that every Bible except the King James Bible attacks the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, write down the references. Don't take my word for it. Write them down and check them. If there's anything we don't need today, it's a bunch of people who've been brought up by Christian education and think they know something about the Bible because they've been brainwashed with a lot of nonsense and talk about reliable translations they know nothing about because they've never checked them. The last thing we need in an objective, empirical, scientific age is a bunch of superstitious idiots who are not scientific and are not objective. Now, you take the same objective, scientific approach to the Word of God and the facts of spirituality and morality that you take to computerized systems and validating evidence, and you'll get a lot of likes on that you can't get in 30 years in college. Check Micah 5, 2 in the New Translations. Check Isaiah 9, 6, 7 in the New Translations. You say, which one? Any of them. Check Acts chapter 9, verse, or John chapter 9, 35 in the New Translations. You say, which of them? Any of them. Check Luke 2.33 in the New Translations. You say, which one of them? Any one of them. Check Acts 20, verse 28, in any of the new so-called reliable translations recommended by Christian leaders. Check it out. Don't you sit there and get mad with me. or have to knock you in the head. I mean, it won't be the first time you've been wrong or the last time. I'll forgive you even if you are wrong. But no man is more wrong than a man who won't check factual documented evidence when he's searching for the truth. No man can be any wronger than that.
or they say in college, more in error. The Messiah Savior was to be the eternal, omnipresent God himself. God and Christ both gave their personal names as I am. The fifth proof, it is in Exodus 3.14, God said to Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say to the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Yet in John chapter 8, verse 58 in the New Testament, Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. And if you have a Bible that says, Before Abraham was, I was, you have a Bible written by a Christ-rejecting, God-defying, Bible-blaspheming Christian. And there are hundreds of them around these days. The word Christian these days covers a multitude of sins. It no longer covers a sheepfold. It covers a menagerie. The sheepfold has become a zoo since about 1900. Now, the Jews understood Jesus perfectly when he said, I am, and thought that he had committed blasphemy for ascribing the name of God to himself. In John chapter 8 and John chapter 10, they promptly attempt to stone Jesus Christ. Now, why were they trying to stone him? Because he committed blasphemy, and blasphemy under the Levitical law is punishable by death. What blasphemy did he commit unless he equated himself with God? He did equate himself with God. He said, before Abraham was, I am. He claimed an eternal present, not a past tense. He didn't say, before Abraham was, I was, like Pastor Ruther, uh, Russell and Judge Rutherford had him down. He didn't say there was a time before Abraham that I was. He said, before Abraham was, I am. There never was a time when he wasn't. And they understood that. Death by stoning was the proper death penalty for this particular sin, according to Leviticus 24, verse 12 to 16. But Jesus had not sinned, for he was truly God. He was the great I am in person. And when he said, I am, he never got off the backs. He would say, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the door. I am the bread of life. I am the water of life. I am the good shepherd. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He claimed deity, friend. Now, what was he, a liar, or are you? Now, that's the problem we get into in this uh, melted, lanolized, synthesized, interrelated magpie nest of a composite, uh, integrated, mixed-up uh, mess where people are afraid to take a clear stand for the truth or even find the truth. Jesus Christ claimed things for himself no man can claim unless he was claiming to be God. He said, no man can come unto God except by me. Is that a proper statement for a religious leader to make? I ask you. He said, come unto me, all you that labor, labor heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Could anybody on earth do that? or get anybody to believe it? Christ didn't claim to be a way. He said, I am the way. Christ didn't claim to have a truth. He said, I am the truth, the truth incarnate. Quite a claim, don't you think, for a faker or a charlatan? Isn't that quite a claim for a religious quack? Wouldn't you call that humbuggery for a man to stand up and say, I am the truth? and not allow anybody else any leeway, and say, I am the way, and no man come to the Father but by me. If you try by Hinduism, Buddhism, Christianity, Protestantism, 
Jewism, Taoism, Satanism, Satanism, Benibaritism, you're not going to make it. How's that for intolerant, bigoted, dogmatic stuff? Doesn't that just gall some of you broad-minded folks whose religion is broad as the devil's back and as broad as the way to hell? Now, you listen to me. If Jesus Christ were not God manifest in the flesh, he was the biggest deluded fool that ever lived in the face of this earth. Now, how's that? I'll commit myself. If you won't commit yourself, there'll be somebody who'll take the step for you. Listen, Jesus Christ let people bow down and worship him. What do you make of that? Now, I know some of you people who don't have any sense, some of you pagans would bow down and worship a man. But what intelligent American in his right mind would bow down and worship any man? You know the commandments, thou shalt have no other God before me. If Christ let himself be worshipped, he wasn't Jehovah God manifest in the flesh. He caused everybody that worshipped him to sin against God and break the law. Why, if Jesus Christ were not God manifest in the flesh, he was a sacrilegious rascal. The very idea of some of you nuts following Jesus Christ as the great revolutionary, the great overthrow of the establishment, without believing that he was God. Why, if he wasn't God manifest in the flesh, you shouldn't follow him to the kitchen sink, let alone to a riot to steal television sets. You're about half ape, aren't you? You mean to tell me a man who talked like that was a good man? If he was telling the truth, he claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life. And he said, He that believeth in the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Jesus Christ said, If a man did believe on him, God was angry with him and stayed angry with him, 24 hours a day. Is that any way for a good religious leader to talk? I don't think some of you think it is. If I were to talk that way, you'd get very put out with me. Some of you folks are very highly upset with me already by the way I talk, aren't you? Listen, you wouldn't tolerate Jesus Christ for five minutes if he showed up in the flesh. Trouble you, you got these little old dinky Girl Scout campfire Bibles that make him talk like you want him to talk. That is the way he talks in the Scripture. He says, you fools and blind, you whited sepulchers, outwardly righteous, inside full of dead men's bones and all hypocrisy, you serpents, you generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? That's the Lord. The sixth proof we have of Christ's deity is that he forgave sins. In Mark 2, 5, he said, Son, thy sin be forgiven thee. And they answered correctly, only God can forgive sins. In Mark 2, 7, they said, Why did this man thus speak blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God only? The Jews were correct. For only God can forgive sin, for sin is transgression against the law. And only the aggrieved person can forgive the guilty one. The one who gave the law was God, not you. In forgiving sin, Jesus either blasphemed or he was God. That's all. There's no way to make him a good man without making him a God manifest in the flesh. And a young man said to him one time, Good master, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but God. Which is as much as saying, If I'm not God, I'm no good. Why, children, 
That Sermon on the Mount that some of you liberals gush and blush and goo and slobber over is nothing but pagan discourse if the man who spoke it wasn't God manifest in the flesh. If the man who spoke that discourse was not God manifest in the flesh, that is nothing but Socratic dialogue on the store, the product of a depraved pagan imagination. Why would you like the Sermon on the Mount if it was preached by a congenital liar? People are funny, aren't they? Seventhly, Jesus claimed equality with the Father and the Holy Spirit. This is evident in the baptismal formula of Matthew 28, 19, where he said, Baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, and in the benediction of 2 Corinthians 13, 14, where the names of the God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all linked together. Eighthly, Jesus claimed omnipresence. To be omnipresent is a characteristic of God Almighty, which, of course, we studied in our first lessons on theology when we studied the incommunicable attributes of God. He claimed to be present everywhere at once, which is not true of angels or of men. In Matthew 18, 20, Jesus promised to be anywhere, everywhere, at one and the same time. In Matthew 18, 20, he said, Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. Well, how do you accomplish that if you're not omnipresent? Imagine somebody talking about the Sermon on the Mount being a great sermon and not believing that Jesus Christ was a virgin-born Son of God. Imagine that. When he stood up there and said, Wherever two or three gather together in my name, I'm right there in the middle of them. Well, how do you do that unless you're God? The Moonies can't do it. The Hippies, Zippies, and Yippies can't do it. The TMs can't do it. All they can contact is a blank, neuter, amoral, universal presence that's part of the energy force field of the atomic structure of the universe. You don't find them in it gathering together and Jesus Christ being present there with all them while they're there. You've got to gather together in his name for him to be present, and when he's present, he's present anywhere they're gathered together in his name. That is no, Jesus claimed omniscience. Omniscience, if you remember our studies from the incommunicable attributes of God, was to know all things at the same time and be cognizant of everything, and this is a characteristic that is exclusive of God himself, and there's no guru who ever lived who could even approach it. There's no guru alive or dead upon the face of this earth who ever lived who knew what my telephone number was and the number of hairs on the sitting bull's head in 1880. There never lived upon the face of this earth a religious leader of any kind who could give you the name of Christopher Columbus's cousins and the year that the grandsons of John Calvin died. But God can. Jesus claimed this power. This fact is evident in Mark 11, verse 2 to 6 in the description of the colt for the triumphant entry. Jesus exercised this gift, too, in Matthew 12, 40, and Matthew 24, 3 to 31. And finally, the Lord Jesus Christ claimed omnipotence. This is the third attribute of the Godhead, which is incommunicable, one of the essential attributes of God. Omnipotence, all power, is another exclusive attribute of the Lord God Almighty, Jehovah God the Father. In Matthew 28, verse 18, the Lord Jesus Christ said, all power is given unto me, not the church. All power is given unto me, not the devil. All power is given unto me, not the United Nations. All power is given to me, not Buddha or Muhammad. All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. 
Now, there's a blatant lie you ever heard if he wasn't God manifest in the flesh. How do you, some of you Mohammedans and Buddhists, feel about that? How do you feel about a man standing up and claiming what your follower couldn't claim, and if he could claim it, nobody would believe him anyway? All power is given to me in heaven and earth. Muhammad didn't dare say that a time in his life. And you can read the Koran from cover to cover and never find where Muhammad professed to have all power in heaven and in earth. Folks say, well, all religions are alike. We're all trying to get to heaven the best way we know how. You can't read, son. And you can't read because you don't want to read, don't want to believe what you're going to read. You're so afraid of the truth, you just pretend it isn't there and then talk about something that is fantasy. You're living in a dream world. What do you mean by saying all religions are the same? What do you mean by saying they're all the same and we're all trying to get to heaven each our own way when there isn't a religious leader who ever lived that dared make a statement like that? And if he did, he couldn't get ten people to fall into the gatepost unless they were under the influence of drugs. Christ said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Why, that's the power that some Roman winos claim who claim to be successors of somebody, but who in a sound mind with rational senses would believe it. Jesus Christ said, All power is given to me in heaven and earth. That's power reserved, my friend, only for God Almighty. Jesus claimed omnipotence. Jesus claimed omniscience. He claimed omnipresence. He claimed equality with the Father and the Holy Spirit. He forgave sins. He took the personal name, I am, reserved for Jehovah. He was prophesied to come from everlasting. He was given divine names and prophecy. He came by a birth that was different from any birth of any man that ever lived, and he's referred to as Jehovah God the Father in Zechariah chapter 12 and numerous places in Isaiah. Therefore, to teach that Jesus Christ was not God manifest in the flesh, or to teach that Jesus Christ was just a good religious leader or a great teacher, or to teach that Jesus Christ was a good man that showed us the way to God, is the uttermost nonsense and height of blasphemous foolishness. Nothing could be any more inane than that. Absolutely nothing. In Isaiah chapter 45, verse 21, the Lord said, Tell ye, and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. We're not concerned about what you think or what you studied or who taught you. You come together and lay the facts out, we can find pretty quickly whether or not things are right. Let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord, and there is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior? There is none beside me. The Lord said there, there is no God and a Savior beside him, and the one that says that is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Isaiah 45, 21, Isaiah 45, 23, Isaiah 45, 24, Isaiah 45, 25. If Jesus Christ was not God manifest in the flesh, the Lord lied throughout the whole Old Testament because he said the only Savior there was was Jehovah, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, and that's the one who came down and was manifest in the flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and old John says, we've touched it, we've handled it, we've seen it. It is the word of life. Jehovah God says in Isaiah chapter 43, 11, I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there 
is no Savior. So if you think Jesus Christ was the Savior and not Jehovah God manifest in the flesh, you have made a liar out of God. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Isaiah 43.11 says there is no Savior beside Jehovah God. Jehovah, 43.12. Jehovah, 43.10. Jehovah, 44.11. And that Jehovah was manifest in the flesh as the virgin-born Son of God by the Virgin Mary and died on the cross for your sins. And that Jehovah God at the second advent is said to have holes in his hands and feet where he was pierced and wounded in the house of his friends. On our next broadcast, we'll continue our study of the deity of Christ, giving 15 proofs of his deity from the Scripture. Until then, may the Lord bless you, and good day.